Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here at the gorgeous TPC Sawgrass in Jacksonville, Florida, and joined by Denny Hamlin, who everybody here knows, NASCAR driver, and Billy Horschel from the PGA Tour. Thanks for both being here, guys. Yep. Thank you. And Thanks. You're, you're both here today because there was a, a FedEx event, a competition of a different sort. And yeah. uh, I was watching in there. You guys were judging some, some youth groups who present some... Um, uh, some activities that they came up with and t- tell me about how that went yeah it's like a mini shark tank it's uh <laughs> you know, it, it's you know these these kids come up with ideas or, or businesses that they started and and you know we kind of judge you know what's sustainable what can you know what works you know what can't and they just uh they all had great ideas i, I thought that every single one of them i could envision yeah i could use this product in some way shape or form and so uh or idea and so it was. Uh, it was great to see, you know, that you know they've got these chapters and programs set up for these kids uh, that that want to be entrepreneurs, and it gives them a an avenue and a route to do that. Denny was taking very copious notes during this competition. I was noticing, Billy. Did you <laughs> also delicately judge this and really get into it? Yeah. Yeah, because you want to be fair to them. Obviously, there's some that are not better. I want to say better products, but some of them have really great ideas, and other ones, you know, it's just more like the refinement. You know, how well was the delivery technique? How well did they understand their finance? How well did they understand the questions that come from us? So it's uh, really neat to see these kids. I mean, to, to see them be active, see them create a product, to go through the whole process. You know, yes, one one of the groups won. Rosa won with her unbelievable product. And the other five, you know, they weren't as successful. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be successful in life. And that's why I think, you know, FedEx is putting their money behind, you know, the $200 million for 200 communities, uh, you know, by 2020, that's unbelievable what they're doing. So, like I said, I, as I tell the kids, I said, you know, whatever happens today, you guys just keep striving forward, keep going forward, keep putting one foot forward. You know, it may not be this product. It may, be, it may not be the next product. It may be three or four products down the line that really, uh, really skyrocket you. But just keep trying to improve, and it's awesome. Like I said, they see these kids, the next generation of kids, you know, have the will and desire to, to achieve some, some greatness. Do you guys feel like you get a, a good sense, you know, Denny joked it was like a mini shark tank, a good sense of like business acumen and, and what you need to be successful being in the sports industry and being, you know, like a corporate sponsor like FedEx, I, I presume it exposes you to a lot of what might make businesses successful. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with Denny and NASCAR and with me and golf, I mean, we have sponsors that we do, 
Uh, obviously, in, in golf, we have pro-ams on, on, on Wednesdays. And, you know, throughout other times of years, I have to do outings for my sponsors, and I'll get offered outings throughout the year. So, obviously, I'm going to talk to these people uh, on the pro-ams. I'm talking about their business, talking about, you know, what they've done before, how they've been successful. So, I think, I, you know, I get a very good understanding of, of uh, the business side of things and how to be able to, to – relate to them and and understand because in my life yes i could play golf the rest of my life golf is one of those sports that you can do the rest of your life and and it, 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 i may play it until i'm 50 60 play out in the <laughs> champions tour but honestly i i don't want to play past the age of 45 I, i've said that whether that whether i keep playing or not i'm not sure but i have ideas that i want to do you know outside of golf and and i'll start broaching those in the next you know, 5, 10, 12 years as I get closer to what I think my finish line is going to be. And so I'm trying to understand how businesses, you know, they get from the ground, get started from the ground and work their way up. You know, what kind of things should I look forward to running into and other stuff. So I'm getting a better understanding of a business and how things work and everything. So, you know, it's great to have those things that you can go to these leaders and, you know, in the world and the executives and some of these smartest and brightest people to go bounce ideas off of you know not everyone is as fortunate as i am and denny is to be able to do that same for you denny you get yeah. that opportunity it's very similar what he just talked about i mean you know what is our finish line you know it looks like a nascar it's like the mid 40s is kind of the the finish line for a lot of guys so i mean that you, know, you can't just cut the income revenue you know stream <laughs> off you know what i mean there's, there's got to be something else uh going so i mean through various ventures that i've got you know going on between car dealerships and solar farms and uh, the burger place that's going to open up here soon um you learn a lot about you know what businesses can sustain and and all the obstacles that you you have along the way so um yeah it's uh it's cool to see you know how you know excited these kids get to share their ideas and and rosa she's got you know the the winner she she her idea was to have a you know we all seen food trucks you know whether it be at the beach or the park or whatever but nine times out of ten it's got like a hamburger and french fries and things like that <laughs> and as we realize in society that you know what what eating those foods on a constant basis do to you you know she said let's turn this into a positive and and uh, you know, serve fruit and things like that, other things that are good for you. And so I uh, thought it was a great idea, definitely something that uh, people can latch on to. Yeah, interesting. So Billy was just talking, Denny, about the fact that he's, he's starting to look post-career. And uh, you guys are kind of at a similar station, not just in your careers, but in life. I know you, I think you both have two kids mm -hmm. and both still looking for that elusive you're looking for that championship. I know you're looking for that that major. Uh, you guys had a chance to play together last year. I think Denny said in Phoenix. Have you have yeah. you guys gotten yeah. to know each other a little bit? Yeah, I've you seen Denny. I've seen Denny. Obviously, we played. The, well, I can't remember. It was last year, a couple years ago, we played at out in Phoenix at the Waste Management, and you know we we run into each other uh, a few times during the year. You know, doing when I, I play the St. Jude Classic presented by FedEx. You know, yep. so obviously I love being in Memphis, and Denny, you know, schedule works out. He always seemed to come by and and, and play in it and and hang out one night at. Um, Mike Glenn's house. He used to run FedEx type deal. Yeah. So it's uh, it's great to meet, see Denny. We haven't been able to play golf and, and match it up. I was telling him earlier, I, I follow uh, his little golf guys tour that he started <laughs> and everything. And I follow him on Twitter and everything. And obviously I'm a big supporter of Denny. And, you know, I love NASCAR. NASCAR is great. And, uh, and I haven't been to a race before. And I grew up 45 minutes from Daytona 500, born and raised. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, in Daytona Beach, you know. So you think I've been to it before and I haven't been. So I've got to 
figure out in my schedule, I got to do a better job of getting away from golf and going to a race because I, I would really love to enjoy it and, and see all the little details. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy that loves the little things, learn about the little things that make things work. You know, the NASCAR is cool and seeing the car go fast, but like, what are they doing in the garage? Like, what are the little things that they make to get that little bit of edge and everything? So that's the thing that really sort of intrigues me a lot. Yeah. What have you seen, Denny, on the golf side that maybe is similar to, to racing? It, Anything? Well, the one thing I know is once I think I'm good, then I play with a pro. <laughs> and I realize that they are just on another level of, uh, of good. And, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, he talked about, you know, lining the schedules up, you know, he's, his schedule is so different. It's similar but different because you know when they go into a week that they're going to play golf, I mean, you start on Monday, Tuesday, somewhere mm -hmm. in that range yep. where, I mean, we're showing up, you know, Thursday evening for a Friday morning practice. So, right. uh, you know, we're, we're three days, and, and, you know, they can pick and choose their events, which is a little bit nicer. Uh, but, I mean, their <laughs> schedule, I mean, I remember – you know, FedEx Cup is over, and next thing you know, like two weeks later, it's like, oh, the 2019 season yeah. is underway <laughs> for the PGA Tour. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> what? Yeah. Like, yeah. do you guys yeah. ever take a break? You know, so it's uh, it's so tough. I I'm sure their schedule and, and the ways our, ours is as well. You know, you can't take any weekends off. So I'm not sure really which way I'd rather have it. You know, pick and choose, but have the full week or. Or you know that you know you've got the nine ten months. I of feel like every there are weekend. some tracks you might want to skip. Just throwing it out there. Personally, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's Which he probably would say yeah. the same thing. I, I, I'm lucky enough in my in my <laughs> profession. I get to go. Don't have to go play certain courses. I'm like, hey, I don't play well. I do not need to go to that tournament. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so one actually one course I have a question about, and and I. I played it the day after y'all finished was Chambers Bay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> where, where, where is Chambers uh, Bay? In California. No, okay. Washington. Or Washington, Washington I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> I remember watching him on TV just like. I had some infamous comments, and I, I, uh, <laughs> I played really good. I, for If you would have watched me on TV, I, my reactions, my actions were a little overboard. <laughs> and I, I, certain things I did I shouldn't have done, and I, I apologize for it. But my comments were something I, I, I will never apologize for because they were truthful. But I played really good. I shot three under. I think I finished like 18th or 15th in the event. And uh, the first week, someone put a mic in front of me, and I was ready to go off type deal <laughs> because I, I never do that. No, I was about to say, <laughs> Billy Denny never yeah. says anything he regrets at a racetrack. So does, does PGA ever fine you for those comments? <laughs> I've not been fined. Oh. I know maybe some guys have, but I've been lucky enough not to. But I. The, the course was cool. The scenery was unbelievable. It was really a cool spot. I said the two things I, I didn't uh, – I had issues with were – one thing was the fan experience. You know, people spend a lot of money to come to the U.S. Open. It's one of our four majors. It's one of the biggest events in, in the world. And guy, people couldn't get close to, the, to, the fan, uh, to us to see us play. You know, they were 60 yards away. There were certain holes there was no fans on, which I've never seen at any tournament in my life. The other thing is the greens were – were bad. They were <laughs> they dead. Were they were Let dead. Me, they I mean, were, yeah, I they were dead. Let's just say they weren't great. I mean, I've yeah. said I, I, there was other things I said about them, but I, I, I didn't hold back. And some people took offense to it. They said I was sort of a crybaby. You know, I'm playing the U.S. Open, playing for millions of dollars. You get to play on great courses. Imagine playing on a Muni course. Well, I grew up on a Muni course. I right. know what, you know, courses right. are like. I, I just felt like for a championship course and for a major, it should be a level of a championship course and a major. And it wasn't. And the USGA admitted it. I had a call from the president of the USGA two days later who apologized to me. He didn't take offense to any of my comments. He said, Bill, you're right on. Yeah. So it's no big deal. I mean, I, I relate it to a NASCAR uh, race, you know. 
doesn't matter what race it is. We'll even say Daytona 500. You're not going to go around that track with a damn pothole, right? You know, in it, right? You know, they so found that out. Eight we years have ago. before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have. Yeah, it didn't we work well, and they had to stop the race to fix it. Yeah, yeah. so we're not for so two hours. So that's the thing, you know. It's they're going to have a surface that is of quality every week. And unfortunately, that surface wasn't yeah, great right. quality to play, and it was it was unfortunate type and, deal. And, and so, and it didn't do it justice. Like I said, I, I played on Mon the Monday right after, and it was uh, it was not substandard. Good. It, it was yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, like I was saying, Billy Denny's never complained about a race. Yeah, track yeah, yeah. Before. I mean, I've I, never I, heard it. If we could just get <laughs> cell phone <laughs> service at our racetracks, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that now. Yeah. Thankfully. Uh, uh, so I, you got to get going here, Billy. But just one yeah. more for you. I just want to ask you. So you won the FedEx Cup. Yes, uh, I in did. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. So. Denny is uh, probably the best driver not to have won the championship, not to have broken through in that playoff. Any advice y you would give Denny yeah, Hamlin on how to, how to win that? Anything works, yeah. Because <laughs> you've done it in golf, because that's pretty much the, the, yeah. the playoffs of golf, right? You know what, I, I think it's it's a matter of time. Obviously, um, I've been a big fan of Denny for a while, and I've paid attention to him for a while. I think it's just a matter of time, obviously. You know, it's just, you know, in my sport, it's sort of getting, you know, getting everything going at the right time and having a little bit of luck, too. You know, yeah. you got to have a little bit of luck. I mean, it doesn't matter how long I'm playing. you got to have some of those putts that, you know, instead of lipping out, they lip in type deal. So you got to have a little bit of luck go your way, and, and you got to feel good. And, you know, in NASCAR, it's that way a little bit. you got to yeah. have the things go your way. You know, you got to miss that big accident, that big wreck type deal. Or, you know, you got to be lucky. Hey, are we going to gamble on the gas? And you got lucky that you were able, hey, we gambled and we were able to finish. We didn't have to go for a pit stop when the yellow flag was out. We were able to stay out, hold our position, and win type deal. Yep. So there's little things to it, and it's just sort of getting all those little things to sort of line up. And I think, you know, but at the same time, you got to have the talent to do it. And Denny obviously has shown that he's a, he has the talent to, to win the championship. And, um, you know, and, and so I just think it's just a matter of time. All right, well, that's good advice. We're going to yep. keep Denny here and grill him some more about Perfect. what it's going to take to win a championship. But really <laughs> appreciate you joining us. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Thank Thanks you. for coming Thanks. by, man. Appreciate Thanks. it. So you were just talking about these ideas that you've got for businesses. The one you mentioned there, you started a hamburger place? Yeah, we're going to – it's open uh, – it's called Little Big Burger, and we're going to open it uh, in Cornelius right outside the peninsula, so right next to Jack's Corner Tap, actually. So it's uh, just a great idea. It's from uh, the, the, the northwest. Uh, Jeff Buck will know a lot about the Little Big Burger. <laughs> He's, uh, I think it uh, originated in Portland. Great little uh, burger spot. Uh, we have a limited menu, but, uh, you know, all original – fantastic ingredients so we make everything right there you've had ventures before in business with the club in mm -hmm. charlotte and i know that that had its run and then mm -hmm. and then petered out did you learn anything from that that you're going to apply here yeah a little bit in the entertainment industry there's always something new it's uh -huh. something that i learned a long time ago especially in the entertainment industry especially in charlotte is that there's always something new opening up it's no different than vegas right you know where's the place to go hot this week well, next week there's someone else opening up something else, and so it's hard to really sustain that. My buddy Ron owns Red Rocks. He, you know, he's sustained his business, and it's still going strong now after 15 or 10 or 15 years, however long it's been, and learning a little bit about that. But uh, I always believe if, if the food's great, uh, people are going to keep coming back. So you've got that opening up. Anything else on the horizon or in progress right now? Or? Uh, just a few things here and there. Um, you know, nothing really that can announce quite yet but it's uh yeah i've always working you know the people at fuel rod moskowitz and, and fuel sports management do such a great job of you know getting me different business ag adventures and you know opening up you know different opportunities for me um you know outside the race car and, and 
that that's that's a big big team that I have on my side there that's uh, helping you know n with not only on the racetrack stuff keeping track of your weekly you know things that you need everyone knows about Austin but uh, but helping me with creating income outside of racing. We just heard Billy say that he plans to golf till he's about 45. You just turned 37 this yep. past November. Do you have a timeline yet for how long you want to go? I don't. I mean, I've got a current you know contract that goes uh, quite a ways, uh, you know, and, and I probably want to do one more after that. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be short or long term, but I, I love where I'm at. As long as I can continue to try to win races every single week and be competitive and be up front, I, I don't know. I don't know how long I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. do it, uh, to be honest with you. You see the, the success of you know, Harvick and, and these guys that are you're winning on a weekly basis now, uh, well into their 40s. So um, I, I don't see any end to it uh, in the near future. Is it hard to plan long-term, Denny, if you don't know precisely when it stops? Because I've heard guys like uh, when Rusty, Rusty Wallace retired, I remember that he said the first couple of years after it, it was like, whoa, this is – a significant adjustment in yeah. how <laughs> my lifestyle is going to work right. with without that level of income coming yeah. in. Um, is it is it hard to plan, I guess, without knowing when that end point will be, um, what you need to be doing well, in the meantime? I think it's actually easy to plan because, I mean, y you basically kind of know what your income is while you still have a job. And uh, you know, you know, there's a big enough sample size now to see what you spend, and then you got to go to your financial advisors and say, okay, well, well, what do we, what do we want to do outside of race? I mean, when we're done racing, are we just going to take vacations every week? Or are we just going <laughs> to, you know, play with the kids? You know, do their hobbies? You know, God forbid they ever got in racing. We know how much that costs. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it, that's the the variables. But I think you know, it's, it, having a, a comfortable living and all that. You know, we're going to be fine. I, I mean, yeah. this is that that's all good, but it's just uh, you know, I want to be busy outside of racing. I just I I just know that I'll be stir crazy once I'm done racing, you know. I can only play golf so much. <laughs> so in, in <laughs> basketball my body will only go so long. So like you, I really want to run a business, a day-to-day -day business. You know, I don't want to be there at 6 a.m. and open the doors, but I want to be there from like 9 to 3, whatever that business is. Huh. checking on things, running things, making sure everyone's happy. I just don't know what kind it is. I mean, it might be a trailer shop. I, I loved, I, Like your dad. Which is interesting yeah. is that, like, I loved going to work at, at the trailer shop, you know, uh, with my dad, you know, when I was 17 years old. I knew everything about the business. I knew how to sell trailers. I knew how to build them. I knew how to install the hitches, do all the wiring. Uh, I knew how to do everything in that business. And so maybe that's something I go back to when I'm done. How long did he run that shop? Uh, I would say we probably did it uh, for about seven or eight years. And literally, it was just the only, that was the revenue stream that we used to keep me racing on the racetrack. Literally, we were, we, we got to discount this trailer and get it sold so we can buy <laughs> tires for our race car. You know, it's right. like, uh, it's crazy how every, everything worked out. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something I have a passion for. And, you know, I don't know if it's a car dealership or something like that I might want to run, but uh, definitely want to be in the involved in, in, in business of some sort. Because if racing hadn't worked out, if you don't get that lucky break with Jim Dean or whatever, I mean, you, you'd probably still be working in that trailer hitch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I got the right breaks at the right time, and, and people have heard that story of how crazy that whole sequence went of how I got here. But and, and you know what I, and I learned through all that was that income now from income then, no happier, I mean, I'm happier personally <laughs> now. I have two kids. Of course, I'm way happier now. But right. you know, but the level of you know, 
the, the things that you can do, it's your level of happiness is about the same. It yeah. really is from when I was, you know, then to, to doing what I am now. And, you know, it's not often that people get to go out there and, and race or play golf or play football or whatever it might be uh, and do something they love to do. And what they grew up doing, they're actually making a living at it. Uh, and that, that's such that's a really cool thing for me yeah. um, to, to be able to do. The most maybe important thing you learned from working at your dad's business, is there anything you, it was a huge takeaway that's going to fly? The biggest, yes. He, I would always complain to him that our business says we close at 5 o'clock and somebody pulls in at 5.02 and needs something fixed on their trailer. And he says, if we're here, we're working. I yeah. mean, you know, until it doesn't matter. You know, that's just the, the hours on the door are theoretical. He was all about <laughs> making the customer happy. He was the guy that said, I don't care how long it takes. We're going to stay here and we're going to finish the job. If we told someone that we're going to have it done on this day, then it's done. We're right. going to whatever it takes. And so um, people really came back to our business a lot because of my dad and his mentality. of They knew that if it's 630, hey, let me just drive by there and see if they're still there. Because they know that we'll, we'll, we'll do the job and fix it, uh, no matter what the hours were. And so... Uh, that hard work uh, was infectious, and, and it and it reminded me that, you know, if I ever got back into running a business again, it would be that type of right. feeling where you know, you're you're going to your buddy's place to get your stuff fixed, not not a business. Right, right. And of course, you know, when you mentioned your your dad helped fund your your racing career. You mentioned your daughters. Has Taylor shown any interest in wine racing? Are you funding her career <laughs> down the road here? Or? You know, she hasn't shown. The interest in, in racing, uh, she has so many other interests, whether it be dancing or performing. I, I mean, the girl constantly looks for a stage to, like, perform in front of everyone. She is just not shy <laughs> at all, which is a little scary, you know, you know the things, uh, you know, like that. But, uh, yeah, she's, she's not the kid that will hide behind the leg when she meets someone new. She wants to tell everyone, she's got th hey, I've got three teeth missing. My name's Taylor. <laughs> you know, I love to dance. Can you play some music? I'll dance for you. Like, it's, she's just, uh, she's, she's funny. That's cool. You mentioned, Denny, um, one of the themes of the season has been that the old guys are winning. Old guys re being relative, of course, here. Of course, <laughs> yes. guys like, yeah. like uh, what, the ancient 42-year-old Kevin Harvick yeah. or 32-year-old Kyle Busch. But what's your take on this? Because, I mean, I'm complicit in this, but we, we uh, the media really built up that this was going to be the, the dawning of a new era of young guys. And certainly, you know, Blaney's won and Kyle Larson had a, a great 2017. But for whatever reason, and Chase Elliott was always on the verge of winning, but whatever reason, it seems like this has been the veteran season. Any reason for that? I think some of our main competition retired over the last few years. I really do. I think that it takes time to to perform at a level uh, that Kevin Harvick or you know some of those veterans out there, uh, Matt Kenseth last year or whatever. You know, it's just experience really does matter. It it really matters, and I think that not only experience, but but the old guys are good, and they're here uh, in their late 30s and 40s because they've sustained their position in their cars, and through that they've sustained that position because they are good and um i just i believe that you know some teams have taken the route of going younger you know some of it is probably a business decision right and and so it's not set up for short-term results in other words it, it's not and, and and but i firmly believe that the william byron's and the chases and and those guys 
they're they're gonna have success. We know they're gonna have success, but it just takes a while. I mean, I mean, I'm building a notebook that I just started last year of of these racetracks, and it's like you know I'm like 14 years behind. I should started this a long time ago because you just there's so many little intricacies of these tracks and little things that you can learn that you take forward and you learn from your mistakes and you just uh it you have to be perfect now to win these races and it just seems like the veterans are better at having perfect races now Mm -hmm. i'm not including me because i clearly (laughs) speed a lot on pit road which i'm assured uh i'm gonna tighten up after getting a a sit down by the boss but um (laughs) It just—it seems like the veterans are just better at having mistake-free races. I would say. I, I don't think we can overlook the fact that some of these young guys I'm naming—I mean, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson—you mentioned William Byron, um, Alex Bowman—they're in the Camaro, and I don't know why, but it seems as if that car isn't quite where a lot of people thought it would be. You know, nearly a third of the way into. 2018 season. You guys Neither was the Camry last well, year. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Except for maybe Martin. Because it seemed you know. like Truex was good, right? Like, so, but he, he, he was. He was. Um, and, and now you could say that about Larson, right? Yeah. He's the, he's the, the Truex without the wins, right, right you know, from, from this year for, for Chevrolet. So I just think it takes a little time. Anytime you get a new car, I think that the, the rule changes that, that were made in the offseason uh, have, have been beneficial for the Fords. I think they lobbied for changes uh, that they knew would benefit their particular body mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, it's it's just all working for them so um, you know obviously Stuart Haas cars are, are, are running extremely well and it, I don't think it's just a body thing I think they've got a lot of things really working well for them we changed the pit crews all around and now we got you know penalties that maybe are penalties and some guys are not maybe getting penalties and it's that's kind of a, a little bit of a mess right now. But I, I don't know. I think that uh, you're going to see over the next probably two months who's who's a contender, who's a pretender. Will it balance out, you think? And the Chevys might, like the Toyota, the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas at least, they will come up a little bit? As I, I think so. I think so, yeah. I, I think that uh, JGR is, and that's really all I can speak to personally, is that yeah. they're really good about identifying our weaknesses and then going to work on those. Um, so... Yeah, hopefully it. Uh, w- we we get personally a little better with our 11 car. We know that Kyle has been kind of the standard at, at JGR uh, this year, and so I've just kind of been like one or two spots behind him on a weekly basis. Um, so I, I just uh, there's some things I need to get a little bit better at that I'm trying to work on uh, personally, and and uh, I think that we'll be there by the time playoffs come around. We'll start with the obvious one. Uh, you mentioned it. So Coach Joe actually sat you down and said no more <laughs> self-inflicted <laughs> speed yeah. penalties in the pits. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I think he, he gets a, he's a, a offended a little bit uh, when they kind of make jokes on TV about it. You know, he's <laughs> like, uh, you know, this is not a joking matter. This is, <laughs> this is costing know. me money. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and costing you finishes. And yeah. And it's amazing we've had the finishes we have with, with the penalties that we've had. So um, I think if we can just tighten things up a little bit. Um, we've Honestly, I, I, we have not had many mistake-free races this year. I mean, I can think of maybe one or two hmm. that we have not had any kind of major thing going on. And when I talked earlier about, yeah, hey, we're allergic to stage points. Right. I mean, we're sitting there with two laps to go at Dover. We're, we're running inside the top five, and, and we're like, you know, we thought we were plenty fine on, on fuel. Um, and next thing you know, I run out of gas, and I'm, I'm 12th. And I'm like, 
Of course yeah. I'm 12th. Right. I've been 11th or 12th every time I cross yeah. the line because of I'm either coming back from a speeding penalty or something else is going on. So I, I think once I have a race where there's nothing going on that doesn't set me to the back of the pack, middle of the race, you know, results are going to show a lot better. Yeah, that's tough. You go from five points, five stage points in that first stage at Dover to zero po- stage points. And like you said, you, you sit and, on the And radio. then I got to go to the back yeah, because, right. I, hey, I didn't know they were going to open the pits early. I would have right. ran another lap. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, which that's a little frustrating, you know, that, you know, we, he was telling me, your crew chief telling me the whole time, when you make it to the checkered, you're not going to make it to the pit open right. now. And so I'm thinking, all right, we crossed the line, and I'm still sputtering around, but I've still got enough to kind of keep putting around the racetrack. And, and he's like, well, you know, it's going to be another two laps for the pits open, so just come to us. And I came, and, you know, I should have went one more corner and saw that the pits were going to be open because otherwise I wouldn't have gone to the back of the pack. Uh, for coming in early. Yeah, but how could you know? And you guys were fine on fuel? Or you thought you were fine? We on thought fuel? we were fine yeah. uh, on fuel, and, and it turns out we were getting like one tenth of a gallon less than what, uh, yeah. per gallon less than what we were we thought we were going to get. Did you guys ask NASCAR, like, is there a new precedent here where if they're, I, I guess apparently they're monitoring your guys' radios, and if they see that there are like a dozen cars on the verge of running out of fuel at the end of the stage, I guess they're just going to have a, a, like a quickie yellow and open yeah. the pits immediately. I mean, right? I had some talks with Miller and O'Donnell about it because, you know, it's, like, I, I said the same thing I said to you. is like, yeah. you know, hey, if I would have known you were going to open the pits early, I wouldn't have right. pitted early. Uh, and I think a lot of people base their strategy off that. But I also definitely see their point of that what happens when there's six cars out of fuel on the apron? Who yeah. gets the tow truck first? <laughs> Who gets <laughs> right. the push first? Like, right. And then you're going to have someone sitting on the apron for maybe three laps waiting on a tow truck to come around to push them. Yeah. And then they're pissed off because they weren't the first one to get pushed. So I kind of see... I kind of see where they're going there. Um, but at some point, you, yeah, teams are going to make decisions not to pit and run out of fuel. That's, it's kind of on them. Yeah, exactly. I think NASCAR did like choose the lesser of two evils there yeah. or something. The speeding penalties, I, I don't want to harp on this, but I just got one more. Like, Is it just a matter of just when those lights start going across, just saving one light toward the end? Is that what it is? It's just it's, like it's not, not. It? It, It's not. You know, most of our penalties uh, analyzing it has been on on entry of the pits, you know, okay. coming in too quick into the first segment. Ah, okay. Um, so, so it's, it's not a roll. It's not a rolling issue. It's okay. not a all right. You know, we cross through six segments, and on the seventh one, I'm speeding. Like it's it's uh, it's coming on a pit road too fast, okay. or leaving pit road too fast most times, or it's accelerating too fast out of the the pit box itself. So, trust me, there's so much data out there that like there, I'm learning from it and uh, trying to get better at it, and and I think being more informed too on these racetracks of you know what does that extra light what does it amount to in feet you know tell me you know is it is it a car length is it two feet that that will help me manage my risk as well would it just be easier if nascar did eventually put in speedometers or some sort of not really there's not one that can be exact enough to be be honest with you and i mean so this is more of a challenge in a way, and you like that. that it's, yeah, that because it's a because the the pit road, you know, it's not at one mile per hour that you get caught speeding. It's a it's over a distance, period. right? It's right. over distance, right? So on corner entry, we all, I guarantee you, everyone is over the speed limit by a lot when they get to the first timing line on on the pit road. Right. They just but give they, it back. But they slow down before right. they get to the second one. So you the speedometer won't work because we're we're going to show. All right, if it's 55, we're going to be 65 on that first line. We just know that, okay, we got to be 45 or 40 at, by the time we get to the second line. So it's, it's, it, it really wouldn't help. It's, yeah. 
Crazy. Like it the way it is. So, but I guess it's good, Denny, that like you said, you feel as if in terms of execution, aside from that, we're executing your, your team poorly, but yeah. we're, I think our speed is good. And I yeah. think, you know, statistics and, and loop data shows that, that we're a fast car on a weekly basis. Uh, I saw something interesting uh, that, you know, we were, you know, one of the worst on passing efficiency last year and we're one of the best this year. So we're getting better. A lot of that is you're having to come from the back of the pack. <laughs> yeah. But um, we're, we're gaining track position on our own, not just doing it through pit strategy. And, and so there's there's very positive stats that, that show that we're, we're going to be on the upswing here shortly. You mentioned uh, when we did the interview just now for NASCAR America, you, you're looking forward to seeing your friend Matt. That would be Matt Kenseth, of course, at Kansas this weekend. He's back uh, with Rush Fenway Racing. What has his absence been like at Joe Gibbs Racing? With uh, Obviously, Eric Jones is a phenomenally talented driver, but he doesn't have the experience you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier that Matt has and his presence that he brings in those debriefs. Has, has that been an adjustment for you and Kyle and the rest of the team a little bit? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, the good thing is we, we didn't bring anyone new in. You know, it's the same group that that's there uh, debriefing. We just lost one, and, and obviously it is a, an important one. Uh, but losing Matt was was important, or you know, it was important part of our you know race team structure right. uh, over the off season. I hated losing Matt. Obviously, he's he's a good friend of mine uh, on and off the racetrack. But you know, decisions get made, business decisions get made, and and you know we we felt like uh you know obviously Eric and Daniel have a lot of upside in the future and sure. and so you had to you got to got to play the sponsor game right you know, who's the sponsor going to back for many many years you know you got these GameStops and and Dewalt and all these guys uh, uh that are out there on that 20 car and you know they they want a long term kind of sometimes it just comes down to business decisions is, mm-hmm. does it make you more mindful of your good fortune i yeah. guess and, and stature in, in nascar right now and when you see a good friend like that who you know is just so good you know, former champion absolutely just get forced out before he's ready in some ways yeah i mean it's a little bit frustrating because i mean if you're playing in any other sport if you're performing well you, you can it's play as long happen. as you want yeah you can play as long as you want that's a fact i mean Nobody is getting forced out because of uh, of a business decision. Everyone who's capable uh, of playing at a high level in another sport, they're they're playing there. So it's a little different in NASCAR. It's it's part of the tough uh, business model that that we have in NASCAR. The teams have to run off of sponsorship money. They can't run. You know, they don't. They can't afford to to race um, off of winnings. You know, right. that that's kind of the, the the part of it. And then. Next thing you know, you, you have a situation where the team has to think about, you know, are you going to pay this driver X amount, or you want to pay Matt Kizit this amount, and, yeah. and you've got to think, you got to weigh performance versus money, and and that uh, it, you know, sometimes it doesn't always the balance doesn't always work work uh, perfectly. As a friend, how happy are you to see him back? And it's great to see him back, and obviously, uh, I know he's a competitive guy that wants to win, and and he will. He will make that program better. There's no question about it. Just the experience. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, I know that Ricky and, and Trevor uh, have a ton of talent. I really do. Um, but like I talked about with the experience, when he comes in there and he, he's debriefing, there's things that those guys are going to learn from him. There's He's going to send the engineering department in a, in a direction that he's like, you know, well, over at Gibbs, we – they did things this way. And mm-hmm. so that knowledge, I mean, they're paying for Matt Kenseth, the driver, but they're also paying for the knowledge that he's going to bring, sure. bring into that race shop. I mean, maybe long-term, maybe there's a role for him, it sounds like, maybe in management or, or something like that. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, like I said, I'm, 
I worry every day about being bored on during <laughs> retirement. So I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure he, he he's got uh, so many kids now that uh, he's not bored. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure he would like to. He, he wants to be part of racing. He's got a lot of mouths to feed there long yeah. term for daughters under the age of 10. So yeah, drivers, you guys love challenges. Let's wrap up and and talk about the challenges here. Unfortunately, you're you're never going to get to play. TPC Sawgrass uh, in the near future. It sounds like you haven't played it yet. If you could play here today or this weekend, what do you think you'd shoot? From the player tees all the way back yes. where the pros play, right? Yeah, because you would we want any other way, right? <laughs> like, it's got to be from, from Yeah, I mean, it's just different. Like, on Pro-Ams, you know, they have us playing way up, and I hate that. I'm an, oh, e- really? I'm an ego guy, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I can hit it as far as they can hit it. But, um, <laughs> but no, I don't know. I, honestly, if I had to put a true number on it, you know, I see my my index right now, or my handicap's like a 3.8. I'd probably shoot on this course from the player tees 87, 86, 87. Okay. Just because it's so much further than what we what what a normal golfer would play at their local okay. home track. So probably not. And, good and the greens are faster, things like that. Not good enough to make the cut, but no. But you wouldn't no. embarrass yourself completely. I'd you be might not dead be last. last. No, you I'd be, be dead last. last. Okay. No, no doubt, I'd be dead last. <laughs> I, I'd, I've played with what I think is the worst worst professionals uh, in the course of my uh, life, and, and they are substantially better than I am. Okay. <laughs> so no plans to get your PGA Tour card when you retire from No, NASCAR. No chance. May I, you know, later on, you know, like in my <laughs> 50s or so, I'd like to play some, like, over 50 amateur tournaments or something like that. Okay. That'd be fun. You could get MJ to play with you or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I've I actually I've beaten him, which <laughs> is a good – not many people say they, they've beaten MJ straight up in anything. But yeah, he thought about doing it. What yeah. did you shoot at uh, Quail Hollow? Last I time? was actually one over on the front, which is really good, and then I blew up on the back. I bet you I shot 46 on the back. It was incredibly bad. Okay. Wow. I just lost lost my mind. All right. Oh, I'm glad we've talked you out of a PGA Tour career. <laughs> yeah, Stick no, I'm a race car driver. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm good at. Well, it is, and that's why you're here. So we appreciate you being here. Thanks, Denny. Thanks again to Billy for being here. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Please check us out. Subscribe. You'll get downloads every week for free. And if you have any feedback, send to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.